But then after that, I'm free. Ow, it hurts to lift my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Denise is so mad. Well, I'll tell you the story, but she almost died this weekend. Oh, no. I know. It's been intense. It's been intense around here. Okay. Is she over? She's not over it. <laughs> She's like on meds round round the clock right now. Wait, what happened? Why did she, she got almost... stung by a fucking bee? My aunt's dog had that happen, and it won't it won't go for walks anymore. It's like traumatized. Yeah, she's pretty traumatized. She like like she got stung by the bee, started throwing up, and like then she just collapsed. And we had to like take her to the ER and she was in the ER for a day and a half. Not collapsed. Collapse. It was so scary. Denise's so drama. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. My name is Tony Soto. Joining me is Maxwell Esposito. Hello, I am here and very queer today. Fresh cut too, girl. Fresh cut and I like. Thank Uh, you. We have Diana DeLuna. Hello, live from my bed, post-dose two. Yeah, girl, you're really really hanging in there. So wait, have we all three gotten both now, right? We're all Mm -hmm. three? Yes. I'm a double Pfizer girl myself. Double Pfizer, yes. We've covered this in like six episodes, so we don't need to talk about it again. But you did just get your, uh, Diana, you did just get your second uh, Moderna Moderna uh, shot. And what day did you get it? Yesterday. Oh, and you're you're hurting. So you're ill today. Uh, Yeah, yesterday I got it early in the morning and I was good for most of the day. And then the middle of the night, my arm just started throbbing. I don't have all the symptoms. Like I don't have a headache. I don't have, my bones just hurt like a mother. Fucker. They feel like they are made of glass. Not your bones. God, what movie is that? What movie is that where the guy, the villain's bones are like glass? That's a movie. I don't know. I thought that was something I saw on like TLC, the learning channel. Um, But I felt fine after my second shot, which I got on Friday of last week. So uh, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I, I don't think that there was any problem. I, like I said, I cleared my schedule because I thought I would be down, but then so glad I didn't feel bad because this weekend was so fucking nice. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was so nice to be. It was like, oh, this is why we live here. Uh, hi, Maxwell. Hello. I'm also double vaccinated. No side effects, though. I survived. I thrived. I'm, there's I'm- something better about the Pfizer. Sorry, it just really is. My, my, but maybe I, Moderna works harder. My blood I, isn't clotted. I, my blood, <laughs> it feels like it's flowing, you know? <laughs> Um, but I'm doing great. I mean, our want to be on top was very, we had a great opening week last week and, and um, that's very exciting. So thanks for everybody for tuning in. I also had a busy weekend. I was out and about in Los Angeles. I went to the beach and I ran into you guys, both the like coveted closeted cases, other closet cases in our high school, besides myself, 
were at the gay beach in my proximity yesterday. I am not from Los Angeles or like this area originally. And the two closet cases from my high school were at the gay beach and I saw them both. So, so there were two Aurora gays on the beaches of LA. Three, three, three. Aurora gays, if you count me. Including you, right, right, right. Yes. Um, and they were closet cases. And did you, were they your, were they your nemeses? <laughs> Or like, well, like, or so were they your allies? Question. So there's two stories. So the one is my age and funny story. His name is Corey and Corey and I both. His name is Corey. We were both, we were both closet cases and we junior year or sophomore year, everybody, freshmen and sophomores had to share lockers. You had to pick a locker partner. Couldn't be, you know, couldn't be a boy and girl. You had to pick a friend that was the same gender and to share a locker with well Corey and I both being the closet cases showed up with women and we're going to fight the system and be like we're friends like this should be okay so since we did that and showed up at the same time and stood in line next to each other they were like, they were like you faggots do the locker <laughs> yeah so Corey and I were locker partners and then the other one was this older gay who used to be my theater <laughs> not director. an older gay well, no, because he was my theater director. So like he used to teach me at theater camp and he married a woman. They bought a house and he came out like this was way the, late. This was the, the other day at the beach. Yeah, I didn't say hi to that one. I don't think she likes me very much. I think she has a little like a uh, gay FOMO. Like she's like jelly that I was a little gay boy at 18 and she was like 30 when she came out. Oh, oh shit. But wait a minute. You were both fucking uh, gays in Aurora. How fucking glamorous is that? You guys should. Well, I also escaped faster. I didn't marry a woman and buy a house. Um, yeah. I, you know, I didn't, didn't waste your that. 20s. Yeah, you know, no, there, totally. So. There is, there is like, uh, there's like this, these two, like, they're just gay. They, I'm going to try to be vague because I don't want to, you know, I don't want liable. But like, uh, they were like brothers and it was like, they're they're both so gay. And they both ended up marrying redheads. And for some reason to me, a redhead is a beard. I don't know why. I don't know why redhead uh, rings beard to me. But one of them is still married to the one he married, but the other one, uh, totally came out gay. And it was like, duh, you were fucking gay. You did cheerleading routines in your yard. That's gay. Like, I bet there's a lot of sibling jealousy happening there too. The, be the best part was, is they met in theater. They were like the theater couple, this older guy. I won't, did I say his name? If I did, you need no, to. No, you did not. Good, no. Great. We're not saying his name, but he married this woman and they met in theater. He was like, of course they met in theater. That's where you meet your beards. It's in theater. Every it, time. Yeah. Every. You know, or they're the, or they're in flag core, you know, not cheerleaders, but you know, like a step down from cheerleaders. But uh, this moment. Color guard. <laughs> Yes. What's color guard? Is that like flags? They use yeah, flags? Like flag. Yeah, flag core. Yeah, I did that. rifles. I, I did that. I was a flag twirler. You were not a flag. I, so, I swear. In, in Boy Scouts, have I mentioned that I? Oh that my god! I okay, can't. so in Boy Scouts, I don't know. I know I've never mentioned this before, but no, actually, back to my closet case friends at the beach. It made yeah. me realize that um, I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to see people yet. There was quite a few moments at the gay beach where I saw them approaching. <laughs> and was like oh my phone my bag something look down look like, down look down yeah, like, right, look right, down, right. like head underneath anything and it was so windy people's canopy so we couldn't even hide under our umbrella 
yeah yeah it was it was a it was, did you get sand up in your face and shit too is it that oh yeah kind of it reminded yeah. me of being at north avenue beach taco bay was like this is the worst i'm like this feels like north avenue beach <laughs> like, like this feels <laughs> Which like was still the next- worst but we yeah. thought we had you well, know right. what i mean so i was used to it i was like yeah this is why i've hated the beach my whole life because when so, you leave with it all in your chest hair maxwell gross. i have follow-ups so first of all did you talk to Corey? did you and Corey talk at the beach Corey and i did talk Corey has and I have chatted. He just moved here. So Corey and I, I ran up to Corey. I hugged him. So I wait, did him. your, did your force locker sharing friendship make you two closeted gays friends in high school? Oh yeah. No, Corey and I are still sisters. Oh, we cute. Okay. Cute. I cute, cheated cute. on my girlfriend with Corey. Of course. I mean, Corey and I have history. I love Corey. You were just hated by the theater director. That's all. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, because he was teaching your gay ass and uh, he, he was, was so, so closeted. Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he didn't know Corey, but I definitely saw him giving me mean looks from across. I could, we didn't acknowledge each other, but I could see him staring in my direction. I was like, he knows it's me. Oh my God. I love that. That is so, and honestly, that is such the small world shit that you like to have in a big city, even post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that. That's why I left Chicago because I was tired of running into people I went to high school with on the subway. They so, all wait, started- so does Corey live in LA now or is he on vacation? No, he just moved here like literally a month or two ago. He's wow. very new to Los Angeles. So great story. Yeah, he, Interesting. he lives in West Hollywood. So you know how that is. Uh-huh. It's a long distance relationship. I'm never gonna. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. that was a bad choice. <laughs> I mean, love you, Corey, if you're listening to this, but I don't go past La Siena guy. Yeah, you chose guy. the wrong neighborhood yeah. to live in. Just you and know. he lives past Robertson. So you didn't do it correctly. Oh, that's like, that's West Side. No, he's not even. He's like, I'm past Doheny. I was like, you're what? I was like, that's a whole nother planet. That's like basically going to Santa Francisco. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, isn't that just Santa Monica? Yeah, like Like, Doheny, yeah. (laughs) What did you do this weekend? Your big sprightly LA weekend with this weather, Tony? I don't know. I, I, I went roller skating. Uh, I, I went to North Hollywood and got a quesadilla that I saw off the TikTok. So, oh my God. So, so I, oh my God. So I, so I supported small business. Um, and honestly, it was delicious. It was a delicious, uh, it's, it's uh, La Authentica in North Hollywood. It's on Valley Road. Um, and it's just like a food truck and it was actually quite good. Um, but Wait, I don't, well, what were you going to say? Well, no, I didn't, I didn't plan anything for, uh, for this weekend. I, I actually, you know, Sundays are, are my, my plant watering days. And I, after I watered my plants at like seven in the morning, I was ready for Sunday to be done. I was like, because I didn't plan for anything. I thought I would be sick from the from the vaccine, and that didn't turn out to be the case. So then I just had like a gorgeous weekend that I had to fill things. I I had to have done something yesterday. I don't remember. Well, well, anyway, gonna, well, go ahead. I was going to ask if you because you were talking about supporting local businesses. Did you hear about Demi Lovato tweeting yes. or like posting on her story that shit? Because she was I, so I mean, triggered. I'm vague on the I details. Like- I'm vague on the details because I'm a headline girl when it comes to something like that. I'm not going to click the link to read further. However, um, so what? She was at a yogurt shop and there's a bunch of diet snacks by the impulse buy. Is that what she was saying? It was like sugar free options. Okay. So we're like vegan, like dietary yeah. options. And she was like, 
She hates yeah, diabetics. Can, She's can, just... Well, so she was like, can't a girl just get a snack without being like ridiculed by all these diets? And the business responded to her and was like, yeah, we have those options at the registers for our diabetic yeah. customers. And that you're probably like, holding the muffin you were going to pay for while you were looking at the diet shit. You already made your choice, girl. You got the glazed donut. Live well, your truth. Like, let these diet- di- let diabetes people get diabetes shit. Dietary restrictions and diet culture are totally different things. And yeah, it's not like needs yeah. to, she, that bitch needs to just learn how to live life. I'm sorry. I don't want to like belittle her experience in any way. Yeah. But like just because you're rich and famous does not mean that the world needs to cater to you and your issues. She says she's I mean, too queer to have a husband. I mean, that girl has so much trauma. I mean, I feel really well, bad yeah. for her. Like, I mean, one I of mean, my fa- one of my favorite songs by her is Sober. <laughs> <laughs> I like skyscraper. And it's, it's her the relapse song. Of course, I love the relapse song. I'm like, yeah, you'll get him next time, girl. You and know, I love the song about her dad abusing her. Oh, full circle. I love it. We're broken. Skyscraper. I don't know if what? this is libel, but Mason worked with her, and she said she was rude to everybody on set. Oh my God, that is yeah. so interesting. And I don't think he signed an NDA, so I think that's okay to say. We we can't we can't like uh, go to break without saying that yesterday was 420. Oh yes, we must talk about it. Um, uh, which, or do we? Well, I here's mean, what, think... here's what I've learned, and honestly, I I think that I know where you're going, and I think I'm on the same page with you. <clears throat> I smoke weed like I'm at a party every day. You know what I mean? Like I'm always a little too high every day. And that's just because I have to cope. So I don't, I mean, I'm happy to be like, have a great holiday. Like, but you know, 420 is for the amateur weed smoker. Am I wrong about this, Maxwell? Is that what you're kind of thinking? I was just going to say, it was like, if you're normal, tomorrow's not a holiday. <laughs> or yesterday was not a well, holiday. <laughs> here's why I have a tender spot in my heart for 420. Because yes. it was on this day, six years ago, that the cute boy at work sent me a text message being like, do you want to blaze and kick it? I got some super sour diesel. I was, it's like literally word for word. And that was Mason and I's first date. Oh, Mason. Always a romantic, that boy. We, you know, we, I'm learning more and more about Mason and we're very similar. I also am a sour diesel girl. I'm a tick girl. Like what else are we, what else do we have in common? We're little people with mustaches people who get punched. Yeah, you get, you get punched yes. around by oh people. My gosh, uh, the amount of people that I have shared that story with, it has been uh, a delight and a treasure. Uh, to thank share you. the story of me getting punched. Oh, so many times. So so many people like, you know, people, anyone, anyone who's like, anyone who's like, Tony, the show is so great. Um, Maxwell's great. And I was like, yeah, but the, the punch in the face, right? You know, the punch in the face. Like, that punch in the face. I'm going to start charging you for some of these stories. That wasn't even a good one. I've got real traumatic stories of abuse I could tell you about. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm seeking out. I like the random punches in the face from homeless who can just feel it. You know what I mean? Oh, that like, wasn't I mean, abuse. That, it was assault. You, you let's let's there are other, the water. It's fine. There are other assault situations in my life that I find much better I'm, stories to tell. Wait, I'm sorry. Person experiencing homelessness. I think I had, uh, I had to fix that because apparently you can't say homeless anymore. People experiencing homelessness. Um, yes, that's a fact. Good job. Mm-hmm. Who taught you that? Uh, some annoying bitch. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> woke millennial in touch with the future. I learned Got it, it on NPR. <laughs> Basically, same. 
and and yeah yeah it's like you know just anyway let's take a break when we come back (laughs) guys we're continuing our featuring headliners from queer slam i got the email right did you see i got the email right i did um this time (laughs) and uh so we're continuing our uh our month of featuring queer slam headliners and our final headliner because next week we have the producer colby holt on the show Um, but our final headliner is returning to the show friend of the show been on the show before so we come back we have roger q mason we'll be right back Hey, everybody. Do you want more Tony Soto? I completely understand. If you want more of me, tune into the Gay Power Half Hour available on iTunes, hosted by me, Tony Soto, and my good Judy, Casey Lai. It's 30 minutes of funny faggotry you won't want to miss. Check us out on iTunes, the Gay Power Half Hour. All right, we are back with the show. Whoa, I got turned around. Um, Now, all month long, I have been featuring uh, headliners from another podcast that I host called Queer Slam that's done monthly. We do it on the fourth Monday of every month. So that's actually happening uh, next week on the 26th. Uh, but I won't be hosting it this time. I have other engagements, so, but it will be my good Judy Casey lie, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Zoom app. But uh, I wanted to close out our headliner portion with a friend of the show, someone who's already been here, someone who whose voice I think is so incredibly important. Um, they're an award-winning writer, performer, and educator whose work uses history's lens to highlight the biases that separate us rather than unite us. Um, playwright, they've been seen on, on Broadway at Circle in the Squares, Reading Circle, Off-Broadway, and Regional. They've been honored by the Chuck Rowland Pioneer Awards and the Fire This Time Festival Alumni Spotlight and so much more. I mean, they don't they just don't shut up basically let's bring back one of our favorite guests roger q mason roger honey hi welcome hi how are you all oh my goodness you know i i mean i appreciate what you're saying that i'm a friend of the show because tony i i have to tell you this show uh, what was it maybe two years ago was the very first time that I had been on a podcast. You broke oh. me in. You broke me into the business. Well, look uh, at that. So she has come full circle, darling. And it was really because of the momentum that you started inviting me on your show. What was it? Two, almost three years ago at this point. So thank you for creating a monstrous. <laughs> well, well, it was it was one of those moments where Queer Slam brought you to me, actually. Mm. So. Um, when I think you headlined, I believe that you headlined, yes. uh, uh, cause, um, and it was live and in person, I believe. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, this bitch has something to say. And it's very, very important. I think for people to hear it, especially, um, in the times where we're living now, mm. you know, the world on fire and whatnot. Um, so well then tell us about your podcast what is this podcast so uh during the pandemic especially in july and august well june july and august of last year i started doing a lot of what i think is queer joy motivational speaking 
And I was being called into various settings, largely theaters, but also nonprofit organizations that were looking to capture the essence of a particular spirit because we were so down and out. So many black lives had been lost and so many more since then. I just need to, we can't even say all of the names. There are too many and they're still going on uh, as we speak. But folks were looking for a little glimmer of joy and hope. So they bring me in. I did stuff with Lambda Literary, stuff with, um, with Brick Lab in Brooklyn. I did something on with the Broadway Racial Coalition, a couple of different organizations. And I said, you know, I would listen to this shtick every week. <laughs> That's where it starts, girl. You know, I mean, let me get let me get myself uh let me get myself on on Apple Podcasts or whatever, you know, wherever Stitcher, all all the Stitcher, Richer, Bitcher, all the all the bitches. Yeah, me, I think <laughs> I think you only have to stop one place and then you're on everything let, at this point. It's I, very easy to so produce a show. It pretty much is. And so I have a wonderful group. Lovell Holder is, is my co-host. Mia Chang Dryling is our producer. And David Gonzalez is our music director. And we've been- Oh, she's got a music director. Yeah, Listen I, to this fancy bitch. Let okay. Me, let me tell you something, honey. Judy Garland don't show up at the cabaret unless she ha is in tune. So, I love to know that I can inspire people to do better than me. You, well, what you, what, you, what you did, what you did was you inspired me to use the platform to talk about possibility models. So it's called Sister Rogers Gaberhood. And yes, basically, we, right. I and love we, it. and what we do is we invite queers on the rise in different industries and we talk about their journey upward and how they overcame or worked with their community their families and their own lives to get to the place where they are so that they can be a possibility model for the next generation of their field and that's kind of what we're doing reaching as we climb so wait, awesome. I, wait, can i can i just talk that is so awesome but can we just talk about this you're saying possibility model yes is that different than role model are we trying to get out of the role model yes because we don't uh, play roles anymore we live in the land of possibilities and and a role is limiting roles are limiting but possibilities are endless and i have to i have to actually quote our fellow podcast host Tra Travel Anderson from whom I have adopted that term because they were the ones that used that on an on a, a free form documentary and I rather loved that term because it opened up the opportunity to not just see yourself as filling one role but looking it through time, space and and different uh, personalities and different job descriptions, to say I can be anything, you know. I, there was, there was a book that, that I that I read as a child called Tar Baby by Faith Ringgold, and it was about people who were living in in in, in housing, I believe, in Brooklyn, and saying, "But from here, I can fly, and I can go, and from my imagination, I fly anywhere." And the ability to fly in my mind gives me limitless possibilities. I can go anywhere and do anything as long as I believe. And the great fear of humankind is to be alone or to have no path to follow. So the And what are we tested with that in the last year for sure? Uh, 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 anyway, we ain't going to do that. Re Listen, this ain't CNN. They ain't paying us for this funded commentary. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if you know that you're not alone, 
and you know that somebody has come before, you are fortified with the journey they took to then build on that. Because is that not the goal of the human continuum for each generation to build on the last towards the betterment of the next? And so that's Sister Rogers neighborhood. How can we capture a moment in flight with these people so that those who are listening can say, they've gotten this far, let me take that and run with it and keep going. I love that bitch. And see, this is why we had to have you back on the show because you say things like this to get, cause like I, that just, you just changed uh, words that I use. Now, I will no longer use role model. I will say pop because like, I've always said, I don't want to be a role model. Mm-hmm. I would like to be a possibility model. Though. That's right. That sounds like, because the thing is, is that doesn't, that doesn't put you in any kind of a box as a representative for what you're doing either. That's right. Like, because, because the thing is, is people can look at you and say, ah, well, that's not really the possibility I want. But there are people out there who are like, you know what? Maybe that is the possibility. I she want. did that, that one. She did that one thing that she did 20 things, but that one that I saw, I can then go from there and build and build my own way out of that. And that's what we're doing. You know, as queer folks, we don't have the same sort of cisgender, uh, you know, goal oriented masculine uh, lineage. We exist, right. in, we exist through oral, um, through, through oral tradition. We exist through through liminal and transgenerational hope models. We exist through hearsay. We exist through the imagination. We are we live in a situation in the world where medically, civically, spiritually, religiously, we are told that we are illegal. We have been gossip. That's basically what we have we been are a our whisper. entire exhaustion. We mm-hmm. are a whisper in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, how, hopefully, how, hopefully in the bathroom. Well, and, I, and I think a lot of that is because, and for a lot of people, it's uh, because the stories are not focused on the joy of the ascension. They're focused on trauma and fear and otherness. Or sexuality and, or, or, yeah. the, or the sex of it. It's not, it, right. we're either sexualized, uh, um, but our history is, it, it, they don't want to hear our stories outside of the seediness of it. That's that's the that's the interest base. Well, because um, they are exotic tourists in our world, mm. and when you tell people that they can't have something or it's wrong, they want it more. Once you stigmatize queerness, which everybody's queer, I'm sorry, the human continuum is queer. Now, how much or how little of, of your attraction system is, you, you know, go talk to Dr. Kinsey, honey. I ain't got time for you. But the <laughs> point of the matter is. Everybody has the potential to love and be attracted to somebody else, irrespective of gender. It's socialization that determines what they should or should not do or should or should not feel. So Mm -hmm. once you limit people and say one man and one woman, all of a sudden that other man down the street, he looked real juicy to you because you were told you can't have him or you should not want him. Yeah, well, listen, that's the thing. You want everything that you're told you can't have. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's switch it up a little bit, bit because I've been on a personal journey because I was I was, uh, I was, was uh, reading the other day. No, 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 this is what I heard on TV. Uh, do you remember in 2020 when the U.S. government told us that, uh, that aliens existed? And oh. we were like, and we were like, oh, we don't care. We're like, we're all dying. Well, this is my, this is my question for you, yes. uh, Roger, because you are very pro humanity. I feel like you have a lot of hope in humanity. And yes. this is something that I, I would like to rub off on me from you, yes. but I, but I have no hope in humanity. <laughs> and, um, 
And now that that like literally, I mean, yes, I've been saying that there are there have been aliens forever because it's like it's really kind of pretentious of us to think that we're the only ones here. That's exactly. Kind of yeah. But like, doesn't this just like, like, I, and I think in 2021, we're gonna have a resurgence of like this talk about aliens being a legit moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. But doesn't this like minimize like, shouldn't we take this as humans as a learning example that we truly are just so minuscule and small? Like, shouldn't we look at like a story like this as like, now that we can focus on it, um, that like, we're not as magnanimous or whatever as, as we think we are. Well, first like, of all- As a species, we've evolved all, wrong, you know? Right. We shouldn't be standing up. First <laughs> of all- We should be walking around. First of all, we need to take as a cue and a sign that them aliens ain't come to stay. They don't want to be bothered with us. Well, that's what I said. I was like, look, they came because, you know, I was bored. Then I started watching the ancient aliens. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, so here's what happened. They flew over around Egyptian times and right. they're like, oh, look at this neat little thing. Look at this little <laughs> ant farm that's happening over here. Right. And then they went down and they're like, look, let's help you out. We're going to give you this little triangle building. You're welcome. And then they left. That's right. But then they came back in the 50s and they were like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> Like literally, what are white people? You know what I mean? They were like, we didn't have, we didn't have any of these white people when we came here years ago. Where's our pyramids? You know? And then, and and so now they just come and shove shit up our asses. Now they just come and scoop up people in the ignorant parts and and probe them. I mean, wouldn't you want to see? I mean, it's like it's like going to the county hospital. You. you <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, when you, when you want, when you go to doctor training, when you go, when you go for, for your residency, they put you yeah. in the, they put you in, in rural areas. They put you in, 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 you know, the counties, they put you where you would have the most traumatic cases so that you can learn the, what mm -hmm. to do in the worst case scenarios are the most challenging moments of medical articulation. Yeah, because exactly, now, exactly. And you know, and they probably flew over way before Egyptian times when we were walking around like, you know, hunched over. And then they came over and like, oh, look at them standing up straight. That doesn't look right. They may have taught us how to stand up straight. Well, that and, was the worst thing they could have done to us. We're not supposed to be standing up straight. Listen, every, you do you do your uh, prison gym exercise you were saying during the break. Look, <laughs> let me tell you something. Some of the most challenging exercises we do are the ones that are those sort of animalistic ones. And of course, they're always taught by very blonde and blue-eyed white people who have like underscoring drum music behind them. And so it's a little bit problematic to me because I'm looking at that saying, all right, don't be, don't be uh, exactly exoticizing uh my comedic fitness routines bitch yeah <laughs> go teach bar <laughs> it's like go go do your homo erectus honey go do your and honestly and honestly and honestly i just have to say things to americans right now i'm like don't feel flattered that the aliens are coming over to our states like arizona and shit like they're literally they're coming to see the dumb ones they're like <laughs> They're going to the state fair. Yeah, they're like, sure. they're like, they're like, no, come look at Sedona. I mean, it's beautiful, but the people come look, come. I mean, I guys, mean, they're not dumb, honey. They are intelligent life forms that have figured out how to study humanity in in, in its in its rarest and 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 most colorful of forms. Yeah, and we know they can fly better than us, so you know they can do anything else better than us. So we better just get in line. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, listen, um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Roger's actually going to do a performance piece for us, and I cannot wait. So we'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right, we are back with Roger Q. Mason. Now, Roger, um, I've asked every headliner, uh, what, is the, what is the significance of Queer Slam for you? Queer Slam was the first time that I had read work of my own that was autobiograph- autobiographically based in person. And really what it did was it gave me the bravery to write a play called Lavender Men that then went on to uh, get the, you know, was part of my Chuck Rowland uh, Pioneer Award eligibility and also got on the Kilroy's list and in the LA Times. So it was, you know, Queer Slam is, is one of those really important breeding grounds for new work. It's like our off off Broadway Cafe Chino moment. It's where queer creatives come and experiment in an environment that's generative and generous to their work and their process. And if you use it right, you gain the bravery to go out there and make amazing work. Well, you know, I just personally, I just want to say to you that I am thankful and grateful that you uh, came into my world and make me more knowledgeable and that I can give you back even just the tiniest amount of inspiration to like get your voice out there more. Um, Without further ado, though, I would like to introduce uh, Roger Q. Mason. Well, thank you. And, And Tony, you know, we should preface this with a couple of things. You know, when we recorded, um, when I recorded that, that uh, episode with you all those moons ago, I was, I was at your, your recording studio, which is also where you were, you had various drag paraphernalia around. Still here, bitch. Still here, (laughs) still there. And I looked around that room And I said, I want to be this person too. And I had been threatening to write a play, which I started called The Pride of Lions, which is about 1920s female impersonators who were imprisoned for indecency after the closure of Mae West's play, The Pleasure Man, which is based on a real case in 1928. And so I thought, well, what if I wrote a piece about five of the bedraggled queens in the back? the ones that were the little chorus girls that you did, because there were 50 queens that were arrested that day. And I said, well, what if we just talked to five of them in the back room? And so here we have two monologues. They are in jail and a very Republican and very homo-curious sergeant named Alan Gray. And yes, that is the same name as Blanche Dubois husband who killed himself in Streetcar Named Desire after she saw him dancing with a man. Um, Alan Gray has asked these queens to tell them some dirty stories. And so we'll hear two of those stories. The first one is by Marla Tan, who is uh, new to drag. And she is a Wall Street trader. And she is attracted to women, but enjoys female dress. And so we will first hear from her. And then the second piece we will hear is from an old queen from the South who remembers the Civil War. And her name is Madame Red Hook. So first we have Marla. Hello, 
and her story. It was always the same. Dinner, wine, a kiss, her tongue, making sweeps cross my taint, my teeth dancing round her nips. Then the mission begins, me on top, her on bottom, each of us looking, searching for a reason to stay a little longer, losing each other by the second while looking. Then plop, I do my job, I deliver. She rolls out of bed, I follow. We take a bath together. It's silent. She puts on her clothes, smiles, stares, says nothing, then leaves to take the A away from Chinatown. I wouldn't dare get rid of her. Her English is too good. She had a job as a secretary in Midtown and she was paying my rent and helping me with school to become an art teacher. That's what I wanted back then. I owed her for that and she collected every night. How could I make the time go faster? How could I forget who I was while lying there with her? A little pretend. She always wore these black silk stockings, you know, with the line up the middle. They made her legs feel so long and mysterious and strong. I asked her if I could wear them if I could wear her clothes and she could put on mine. She consented. We stripped down to nothing. I picked up her stockings and slinked them up my leg, tickling small hairs, awakening fields of skin to land at the place on my body only she and a girl from church knew and made wet. My God. And she cleared her throat and asked, sweetheart, what do you like more, me or my silks? I could not answer her. And she ran away, leaving her clothes and my debt to the school and next month's rent yet unpaid, all for me to sort out and put away by myself. When she left, I ran the stockings up and down my legs, staining them over and over, finding my own way as I painted patterns in milk, finding my own way, not what was required or proper or right, finding my own way, my way for me. That was Marla. And now I want to go on to the wonderful, the wonderful Miss Madam Red Hook. Here's Madam's story. And she's reacting to another queen who's, who's black in the piece being told to get on her knees and beg the sergeant for forgiveness so that he won't send her to the workhouse. And in response to this, Madam says, baby, never get on your knees for a man like that. Never. Back in Georgia, when I was coming up during the war between the states, yes, I am that old. I was in love. I was in love with that boy, the slave boy, charged with cleaning my ass whenever I took a shit. 
I did not make him do it. I didn't let him. That was not his job. That was not his place. And no matter what laws man places upon him, I knew that before God, what my family was doing to him was not right. One day we was playing the way boys play when they trying to understand what they like about each other. And my uncle, he saw us kissing, laughing, playing like natural boys do. He pulled out his gun and told me if I didn't take a shit on the floor that minute and make that little nigga boy clean it up, he was gonna kill us both because we was bound to be dead anyway acting the way we do. I stood right up in his face and I told him to start the shooting with me because I wasn't going to do nothing, he said. And uncle swished behind me and put that gun in my love's head and told him if he got on his knees and begged real sweet, maybe he would spare him. I asked him, uncle, why is you so interested in two little boys cleaning up each other's asses? He looked back, white as Lazarus before the saving, loosened his grip on his gun and I grabbed it, pointed it straight at his head and made sure that day the South had one less rebel to avenge its false grace. Run, Billy. Run as fast and as far as you can. I watched my boy run through the front door, across the courtyard, past the chickens, towards the cotton fields, heading straight for the river. And then the plow hit him. Them oxen broke him into a million bloody pieces. My Lord. Miss Jones, I am going to go to the workhouse because you got to be free. You got to live, Miss Jones, for all the billies in the world who tried to run for the river but couldn't make it to the other side. Roger. Beautiful. Oh, chills. So great. Like, uh, and, and when you cast that, I would love to oh, audition beautiful. for whatever role you think I could play. She, you better, <laughs> you better work, honey. Because, yes. uh, you know, she's got the range is all I'm saying. She's, she's got, got the, the range. range. Um, give it up one more time uh, for Roger Q. Mason. What a great, I mean, this is the thing, important things that are said in art and uh the I, I wish like i wish that like writing was something that i was better at you know because like it's that kind of shit that's so amazing tell people where they can find you on the internet roger yes yes you can find me on facebook at roger you just look up roger middle initial q mason i'm also on instagram at roger q dot mason the q is for my middle initial is my middle initial for quincy just so you know and then sometimes i'm on twitter 
when I when I got something to sell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roger Q Mason. It's all just one word. And then my website is Roger Q Mason. And also, don't forget, listeners, to uh, tune in on April 26th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for the next Queer Slam, hosted by my good Judy Casey Lye. Thank you for stepping up, Casey. Uh, and follow Queer Slam, queer.slam uh, on Instagram for details. Uh, Maxwell. Um, you guys could catch me on Twitter. I just baked a fresh batch of cookies. I love that we both sell things on Twitter, Roger. I also only make sales on Twitter. Instagram's not it. So yeah, cookies, <laughs> me underscore LGBTina. Catch up with me on Instagram at Maxwell Esposito. You can also catch me on Be On Top on Thursdays and Mondays, wherever you stream podcasts. And that's it for me. Diana. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Diana D triple E Luna. And uh, soon you can catch me on the streets because I'm vaccinated. Hell yes. yes. Out and, ab- out and about spitting mouths. Can't wait. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, guys, if you like the Tony Soto show, you should find it on, uh, find our iTunes page and subscribe to it. Rate the show, like it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I also do the Gay Power Half Hour with my good Judy Casey Lye. Anywhere podcasts are streamed uh what else what else i don't really have anything going on i mean learn the words is coming soon so get ready uh get ready performances please sooner than we thought too that kind of snuck up on us so uh she's got some work to do but uh, and tonight is our live uh finale of survivor right that's right we're gonna do our uh we're gonna do the final episode and the reunion episode tonight on patreon live so if you follow us on patreon at the tony sutter show uh, it's only five bucks a month. So tune into a lot of extra content. Should we tell them what we're going to do next? Or is that, should we keep them in? No, we should, we should, we should actually let's do that because, uh, so I know that we're, we are typically doing first seasons of, um, like older shows, but we have all decided that we're going to double down on our faggotry and we're going to do lot. We're going to recap legendary on HBO max, the second season. Yeah. So, uh, and we're going to do it like weekly, right? So the show mm-hmm. is going to be on and then we're going to do, so, so we're going to be able to follow it all together as it's happening. So it'll be super fresh and super fun. So, yes. so support our Patreon, the Tony Soto show, it's five bucks a month. You get live content, you get recorded content, you get edited content, you get all kinds of content. I'm the Tony Soto show on literally everything. So not Facebook though. I didn't know we still did that. And uh, we'll be back again next week with, Colby Holt, the producer and creator of Queer Slam, so we can talk about how great I am. Uh, <laughs> see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.